1: The psalm for this morning is Psalm 15, which is found on page 495, if you'd like to follow along. Listen now for the word of God. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Those who walk blamelessly and do what is right and speak the truth from their heart, who do not slander with their tongue and do no evil to their friends, nor take up a reproach against their neighbors, in whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord, who stand by their oath even to their hurt, who do not lend money at interest, and do not take a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be moved.
2: Our gospel lesson comes from Luke's gospel this morning, and if you were with us last week or checked in, the text was the parable of the Samaritan. This morning's text comes immediately thereafter if we're reading straight through Luke's gospel. It's found in chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Here again God's word. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear God, in old stories, let us hear new lessons, new promises, new hope, and new invitations to learn and to follow you. Amen. I'm going to start with a confession this morning, and that is that every time I hear this story about Jesus and Martha's house, I kind of get my hackles up. Do you know what it means to have your hackles up? You're sort of ready, feeling a little defensive. That's how I feel when I hear this story because it is so often read as if Mary and Martha represent choices. You can either be a Mary or a Martha. You can either see discipleship as a life of study and prayer or as a life of work. It's usually read as a moment when Jesus is chastising Martha, calling her out for working, and even pitting Martha and Mary against one another, telling one sister to try to be more like the other. Now if you have a sibling, it is about the last thing you want to hear that you should be more like your sibling, right? And I have to tell you, I get defensive because that seems very unfair to Martha, who's opened her home to her Lord, and she's doing everything she can to try to create a nice welcome. We don't know exactly what all her tasks were, but I bet we can imagine this scene. A guest has come over, and in this case, the most honored guest, and Martha wants things to be just right. Maybe Jesus showed up early, for all we know, and she just wasn't quite ready. Or maybe she'd counted on Sister Mary to help a little more and some things aren't done. When I read this story, I envision times in my own life when I haven't quite gotten everything done to offer what was in my mind the perfect welcome. I've often heard our doorbell ring and wished I had just a little more time, to tidy up or to get the food closer to being served or to stash the mail out of sight. Do y'all have a mail stack that builds up in your house? I'm usually standing in our kitchen in that moment, and when I hear the doorbell, I go through a little calculus. What can I let go, and what do I still have to get done to offer a welcome? And more times than I can count, I've gotten my own family to help. I've said, please go answer the door, someone else, please offer our guest a drink, someone please offer our guest a place to sit down and to rest. And I'm usually still in the kitchen, sometimes it's Joel, but usually me trying to get our food ready. And I stay away from that conversation until I can really be present. In those moments in our little family, I think we're sharing the role of host, and we're quickly dividing up the aspects of showing hospitality. As each of us has a role to play, I think maybe these sisters in this story are showing us different aspects of hospitality, so I feel defensive when people cast Martha as the sister who got it wrong and Mary as the sister who got it right. After all, Martha is right that there is so much work to be done to show hospitality. If we wanna welcome someone into our homes, and so many of us do, there is the work of cleaning and cooking and showing our guests that we care about his or her comfort. If we want to welcome someone into this church, and we do, there is work to be done to have the place ready and clean, to have the air conditioning on in time, to make sure there's food here, to plan worship, and there's also the work of being present, of paying attention to who has come here, of being available to get to know them and to make sure that they feel welcome. It's the same in our communities. If we want to welcome someone, we have to know who is around us. That was part of the lesson in the parable of the Samaritan last week. Jesus has commanded us to go and do the work of making ourselves neighbors. So Martha's right. There is so much work to be done. Someone has to set the table, so to speak, and someone has to prepare the meal— This story comes just after that teaching where Jesus is talking with a lawyer about who is our neighbor. So sometimes this is read as if it's the flip side of that coin. So if that was a lesson about what it looks like to love our neighbor, then this is a lesson about what it looks like to love God. Because Mary chooses not to help with the preparations, but to sit as a disciple at Jesus' feet and to listen to what he's saying. But we remember that loving God and loving neighbor are not separate acts. They're not two different things that we do at different times in our faith life. The lesson Jesus taught that lawyer in the scene we read last week was not how to love your neighbor. It was how to love God by loving your neighbor. And the lesson Jesus is teaching both Martha and Mary is not love God now and worry about hospitality later. Martha's work to welcome Jesus is part of her discipleship, and Mary, though she's sitting at Jesus' feet, is also called to go and to do. Life following Jesus is not being either a Martha or a Mary. It is both sitting at the feet of our Lord and doing the work of welcoming others in his name. Loving God and loving neighbor, two parts of one command. So why then does Jesus tell Martha, who's come to him to complain that Sister Mary isn't helping out, why does Jesus tell Martha that Mary has chosen the better part? That's how it comes to be that this story is treated as an argument about which sister is right, after all. At first glance, it seems that Jesus has taken sides. Martha comes, and she's worn out, and she's frustrated, and maybe it would have been better for her to go to her sister and say, hey, sis, help me out. But she goes to Jesus and says, don't you care that I'm doing all the work? Make my sister help me. It's seen almost as a cliché of a sibling moment. Maybe you've had your own that were similar. Martha is sometimes treated as the whiny, tattletale sibling, who's trying to get her sister in trouble, but ends up getting in trouble herself for tattling. But what if Jesus' reply is not meant to get Martha in trouble? What if it's not an admonishment, but an invitation? When Martha comes to Jesus, he says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Notice what he does not say. He does not say, Martha, you're wrong, or you're wasting time. He doesn't say that what she's doing to show hospitality isn't important or that her efforts don't matter. He doesn't say, we don't need to eat. Nobody needs to bake any bread. He doesn't excuse her from work or say that there isn't work to be done. When Martha approaches Jesus, what he actually says is that he sees her. He sees that she is worried and distracted. He doesn't negate all her work. But acting as her Lord and her friend, he sees that the work of hospitality is wearing her down. She is not feeling the joy of being a neighbor. Her work has left her feeling tired, discouraged, resentful, I think, disconnected from her sister and from Jesus. So Jesus invites her to reconnect. Martha comes to him to say, make Mary leave your side and help me, and Jesus won't do that. He says, Mary has chosen to be with me, and I won't take that away from her. That is the better part of this moment, this time to listen and to learn, and maybe even to reconsider the very call that sends us off to work. You're worried and distracted, says our Lord. So come sit here with us, Be with us. Remember that our work begins in our relationship. That's why I get my hackles up when I hear people say that this story is a shaming of Martha for being a doer, that she should be scolded and sent away for being busy when she should have been still. I disagree with those who think this story teaches us that a life of discipleship is just study and prayer and not work. I think those readings miss that pivotal moment in this story when Jesus calls out Martha's name. In that moment, he's telling her that even if her sister doesn't notice how hard she's working, he sees it, and he also sees that she's worried. She's distracted by how much there is still to do She's stressed, so he invites her to be renewed in his hospitality, to take a break from welcoming him and to be welcomed by him. As I was reading this story, I found myself humming in my head the refrain from that old hymn, There is a Balm in Gilead. Do you all know that hymn? Yes. Feel free to break into song if you'd like. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in vain, but then the Holy Spirit revives my hope again. How different is the lesson for us from this story if we see it not as a moment of Jesus rejecting Martha and her work, but inviting her, his friend, his disciple to be revived from her work weariness at his feet. That, I believe, is the better part that Mary has chosen in this moment to receive Jesus Christ, his teaching, his presence, his care for her, his hope, the free gift of his hospitality for Mary, for Martha, and for us. Now, as I said before I read the scripture, this scene comes in the Gospel of Luke at a somewhat urgent moment. Jesus has turned his face toward Jerusalem. He's moving toward his own death, and he's preparing everyone who follows him, including Mary and Martha, for the hard work they will do to share his welcome when he's gone. So there's an urgency for Martha. Now is the time when he is there with her. Now is the time to learn from him. Her work will be important, but for now there is only one thing, and that is to focus on Jesus. After all, the work of following will be hard enough on its own. We heard last week the call to be neighbors And the psalm Julie just read reminds us that standing before God is not an easy thing. It means acting right and telling the truth, being a neighbor, rejecting words that slander other people, keeping our word even if it costs us something, and honoring God's children. That's hard enough. It's especially hard in a world where it doesn't feel like people around you are doing the same thing, and it's near impossible if we've lost sight of why we're doing the work and who is doing it with us. So Martha needs to come back. She needs to sit with Jesus in this moment to be renewed in her relationship so that she can be faithful in her work. Martha's need for renewal has had me thinking about a conversation I had when I was in Cuba in January to visit our partner church there. I wore this stole in honor of this story because I bought it from some women in Cuba who make stoles and other things out of fabric remnants and leftover tablecloths. Our partner church, if you haven't been there, is in a rural town called Perico. There's no economy to speak of there. It's very hard to access food and transportation, and the church does its work with almost no resources that we would see. Very little money, very little support outside the congregation, just a small group of devoted lay leaders. One pastor, her name is Zorky, and her husband, his name is Rolly. One evening, after we'd shared a day together and dinner was done and cleared away, we were sitting around in the one room that isn't the sanctuary. So the church has a sanctuary and then one room that is for everything else. It's the kitchen, it's the Sunday school room, it's the fellowship space and the craft space and the church office. And it is where we gather to talk and to listen. That evening, we were getting updates about what's happening in the church and the community. We heard about how many children come to the church every day after school because they need a place to be, so many that they almost fill the sanctuary on their own. We heard about older adults who don't have enough food or human contact who come to the church for breakfast. We heard about how many people come to get clean water from the filtration system behind the church. We heard about the chicken coop they've just built and how they need more chickens to feed those senior adults more eggs and to sell eggs to make some money to run the church. And as we were talking, Rolly reached over and he got out a plastic bin of beads that we had actually brought from the United States. And he started to thread them on a piece of wire and I asked him what he was making. He said he wasn't sure yet. It would either be a necklace or earrings or those things that you hook on your eyeglasses to hold them when they're not on your face. You know what I'm talking about, but I don't know the name for those things. So we also talked with Rolly about the jewelry he was making, which is part of a microfinance project that brings the church some revenue. I felt hopeful and somewhat overwhelmed by how much is there how much the church is doing to stay relevant and alive. And I stepped out of the room to get ready for bed. Sometime later in the evening, once it was really night outside, I I came back around the corner to get some of that filtered water for myself, and I saw through the window into that same room that Rolly was still working. At a plastic picnic table, he was bent over his craft, still beating. In very dim light and I was worried about him he was up so late he was working all alone I was worried about how much Zorky and Rolly and this group of lay leaders have to carry for their whole town responsibility for clean water and food and fellowship and a safe place for children and older adults to be I was worried that surely they must be exhausted and discouraged in the face of so much to do and so few to help. So I went back into the room, and I said as much to him, and I asked him, aren't you tired? And he said yes, that he was, but that when the children would get there the next day, he would be energized again because the children love to be there and the church is their family. Roly reminded me that even when he and Zorky are tired and discouraged, they keep working because they're called to be the church and their hope is renewed every single day by the relationships they have with the people there and their relationship with the Lord who has called them. That's how I hear Jesus' words to Martha today, as an invitation to be renewed in our relationship with our Lord so that we might thrive in our relationships with each other. An invitation to come learn, to be prepared for the work that is still undone, and to be reminded when we're tired, when we're discouraged, or even downright resentful and frustrated, that our work is not in vain that the one who calls us works alongside us to welcome the whole world. I've been thinking, how might my conversation with Jesus go if I were in Martha's shoes? Jesus, I might say. Complain, really. We're down here working so hard. We're trying to welcome the stranger. We're trying to love the refugee. And these other folks over here, They're not only not helping, they're making it harder. We're trying to be good neighbors, but these people, and some of them say they're Christians, are telling us that people who don't look like us are not our neighbors. We're trying to make our community welcoming, and others are saying, if you don't want to be here, you should leave. We're trying to be the church in the face of what feels like an endless flood of things still to do. Jesus would not say, stop doing all that. He would not say that that work is wrong or that it doesn't matter or that we're not called to do it. No. In this exhausting time, Jesus would call us by name, just as he called Martha. And he would say to us, too, you're worried. The work of hospitality has worn you down and you're distracted by how much there is left to do. So come sit here with me. Let my spirit move in you and revive your hope. Eat at my table, the table I have set for you. Be nourished by my food and remember in your fatigue that your work is holy and that you will never have to do it alone. Jesus would say, I offer you still myself, my hospitality, my love. Choose to receive them today, for that is the better part. Amen.